0: everyone welcome back to the film fund podcast i'm your host founder and executive producer at the film fund thomas verity i'm also an award-winning filmmaker producer and film festival judge i started the film fund to give filmmakers an easier alternative way to get their films funded instead of working on a screenplay crowdfunding campaign or grant application you write one sentence pitching your film for a chance to receive up to ten thousand dollars and other prizes to make it our fall 2022 narrative and documentary funding contests are now open so check us out at thefilmfund.co to submit your one sentence pitch for a chance to receive up to ten thousand dollars to make your short film. Wanna remind listeners that contests do happen regularly. So if you're listening at a later date, check the website at the filmfund.co for the most up-to-date information. We'll also be releasing or launching our feature film funding program pretty soon. Uh we're recording this episode in October. So we're hoping to launch that in October as soon as I get my butt to work and the website for it so stay tuned on that subscribe to the email newsletter for the most up-to-date information uh today we have steve douglas craig co-founder and executive producer at lit vision media uh he is also i what was that screenwriting coach is that how you described yourself
1: yeah yeah I teach screenwriting uh at a university level plus privately as well
0: cool well, steve thanks so much for coming i'll i'll give you uh a little bit of a chance to give yourself a better intro than i just gave you um uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself your background
1: uh, yeah, thanks, Thomas. It's nice meeting you. Um, and, uh, yeah, most of my background early on in my career was, uh, theater-based. Spent a lot of time in Australia and America working in the theater. Um, but the way I came to film was very much as a storyteller. Um, I've been telling stories as a career since I was 20 years old and, and, uh, I, uh, was living in Washington, D.C. um, in 2000 and. I guess when I found out I got into the American Film Institute into their conservatory program in Los Angeles to study screenwriting to an MFA level. Um, And it was a tremendous experience and just a total two year immersion in filmmaking uh, on every level, uh, collaboration. Um, And uh, once I'd finished there, I graduated in 2007 and uh, was recruited straight into Sony Pictures Entertainment to work in uh, development and acquisitions in their worldwide acquisitions group. Uh, worked there for eight years, um, learning everything from packaging films to how distribution works, um, how deal flow works, how to how to develop and produce movies. Basically, um, after which I spent the last four, almost five years, working at Screen Gems uh, at Sony Pictures Entertainment, which is a division of theirs, um, where I was working more purely in production and development.
0: That's such an interesting background. And, uh, so when did you come over from Australia?
1: Uh, I came over in about 2002. So I came over in June of 2002, um, to get married, actually. Uh, My wife is American and, uh, we met while I was touring the world on a, uh, government grant from Australia where I was studying theater around the world in France and Canada and America. And I happened to meet her in a workshop in, in, uh, in Canada, um, so essentially the Australian government paid for me to find my wife, oh, God <laughs> bless awesome. Um But, uh, but I, I was, uh, we met and uh, fell in love. And, and so 2002, I came back to, to the States to get married. Um, and we lived actually in Gaithersburg in Maryland for, uh, for a few years before I got into grad school.
0: Very cool. And what was the switch from having a theater background to film like, and how did that happen? Um, was it kind of playwriting into screenwriting?
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, two very different mediums, but it's it's finding a commonality between them. You know, both of them are storytelling, you know, telling telling uh, um, emotional, impactful stories, but just using a different medium to do that. You know, even in screen, you know, even in screenwriting, you encounter that with regards to TV and mm-hmm. film and, and uh, you know, the short form these days. So there are different mediums, but transitioning from from theatre was very much about learning how to develop characters, how to develop plot in a visual medium, not so much a dialogue-driven medium. You know, theatre is very much Mm dialogue-driven, not that some films aren't in some ways, Um, you know. um, I wouldn't call Woody Allen a visual stylist necessarily, you know. Um, And so uh, learning to tell a story from a visual aspect, learning to develop characters through through action and, and the visual nature of storytelling rather than dialogue driven, I think is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get as many takes as you want. You don't get that in theater, right. you know, when you're on stage, uh, you might be recreating the same show the following night, but in that there's, there's that immediacy that it's required. Mm-hmm. And I think learning the craft of making a film was very different to learning the craft of putting on a stage play.
0: And is there one medium you prefer over the other? Filmmaking. filmmaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was drawn, drawn to filmmaking. I love the theater,
1: uh, you know, and in, in Los Angeles, I was still a subscriber to the Mark Taper Forum and, and the center theater group. And I was the same out here in DC. Um, but, uh, I think I fell in love with filmmaking. I'd always loved films and television, uh, even while I was in the theater, you know, um, I was still a huge theater buff, uh, a, a huge cinema buff. And I, I, I watched a lot of TV and, um, I think at one point while I was living in, in, you know, Gaithersburg here in Maryland, I, I sat down to write my first feature. You know, I didn't, I hadn't learned the craft. I hadn't read a couple of books like most people. Most people don't get the luxury of spending a hundred thousand dollars to go to film school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, so I, I just tried to write knowing what I knew already. Um, and it, the, the screenplay that I wrote, I used to get into grad school you know okay. um and uh i'd read enough scripts in my time e- movie scripts even while doing theater um to know what the the formatting kind of was mm-hmm. but uh i know a lot more now obviously and uh and so writing that first script was just a desire to to do something different with a story that I, that was generating inside my head mm-hmm. it couldn't be a theater piece there were too many locations, there were too many pieces to it that needed a visual treatment. Mm -hmm. So that's what inspired me to write it, first of all, and my love of cinema. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, getting into grad school, and it's been a wild ride ever since.
0: So the uh, we talk a lot about film school on the podcast, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, So with did you apply to any other schools besides AFI? Or were you pretty much set on going there?
1: Um, I liked AFI was my first choice because of its reputation, because of its access to an internationality. Um, I worked with everyone from, you know, female Danish cinematographers to graduates of the Israeli film school. Um, everyone from around the world, German, uh, Czechoslovakian, uh, you name it. Um, they all come together in this one international film mm. school. I liked that. Um, I did have a look at the master's program at USC. Um, it's a very... Prestigious film school, if you like, heavily funded. Let's put it that way. Um, the graduate program there didn't really appeal to me because a lot of the graduates were in classes with undergraduates, which mm. I didn't really understand. Um, uh, whereas the AFI was a purely a graduate program. There is no undergraduate mm. program, um, and it was learned by doing. You know, you 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 land there, and two weeks later, I'm writing my first short film right. to be produced. You know, so so they weren't the no. same. Um, and I just looked at the, the, top, the top three, which were all California-based, UCLA and USC. At that point, I wasn't a citizen of the country. So that, that was a bit of an issue oh, okay. with getting into those other schools. Yeah. Um, but the AFI didn't mm-hmm. have that issue, luckily.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, did you look at NYU at all?
1: No. <laughs> which is <it's> funny <laughs> because one of my professors at AFI went on to be the head of Tish. In the head of like the new york oh, well. school but um i didn't i didn't really and and i don't know why it's not because it's not a good school um uh-huh. it was just the for me what i'd read about and talked to people about was the fact that the industry was on the one that was on the west coast uh-huh. you know not that there isn't an industry in new york there is you know and we live in a much different world now than than we did back then with regards to the industry but for me back then los angeles was the place where, you know, I didn't know anyone in the film industry mm-hmm. necessarily. I didn't have a lot of contacts. Um, so one of the reasons for going to that film school or a film school out there for me was I was close to the closer to the larger industry. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it was a better place for me to get to know people um, while I was actually studying, which is exactly what I do. And it's exactly what got me my job at Sony.
0: That's so cool. And uh, it's good to hear that, companies recruiting out of um you know the top film programs as well because sometimes people think like oh I'm going to film school, I'm getting this degree. What am I gonna do with that? Um but it sounds like there's an active presence of, you know, real businesses recruiting out of these top programs. Would you say that's accurate? There is.
1: You know, there is. I that doesn't mean you shouldn't be proactive mm-hmm. even inside those programs. Um it's still competitive. Um and one of the reasons I decided to go to Sony after grad school was that, you know, um, I had a couple of, you know, uh, friends at, at film school who went on, who are still doing successful, you know, screenwriting stuff. Um, one of them just wrote Fast and Furious 9, Dan Casey, who I went to grad school with and, and, and uh, Andrew Baldwin, who was one of the co-creators of Invasion on Apple TV. You know, uh, they did the directing program at AFI, uh, but they're tremendous storytellers in their own right. Mm-hmm. And um, I fell in love with development I fell in love with working with other people's stories, um, purely because of, of my experience in my second year of, of, um, of AFI, you know, we would get in a room with nine writers, you know, and you were meant, you you were supposed to read other people's work during the week Mm. in order to give notes, not just turn up to get your own notes, you know, um, is you're supposed to actually actively engage with other people's work, which is the way writers groups should work, Mm. you know, um, Unlike some of these Facebook groups that you get, <laughs> God, forgive me for that. Um, but uh, but you know people turn up and they expect you to read their material and 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 don't give anything in return. This development program didn't didn't allow that. And and my my uh, professor at the time, Anna Thomas, is now the head of screenwriting at AFI. Um, she was a tremendous gift in my growth as a writer. You know she was a very tough, um, hardworking. Uh, Person who, when she came into the room with that script, you knew she'd read every word, mm-hmm. you know. And she had this skull and crossbones stamp <laughs> that she would stamp on your screen, on your, on your pages if you did something wrong. So is this a literal stamp. But she, she didn't had? only
0: do that; she wrote a big paragraph. Are you being? Fi- are you being? What's fi- that? Whatever is that a literal stamp she had? No, she literally had a, a stamp. Oh my god, that's incredible. She <laughs> would have the skull and crossbones stamped across oh, the wow. script,
1: right? but she would also have this tremendous piece of explanation of, of what you'd done wrong and why. And uh, I loved, I loved her. And I still, I'm still in contact mm. with her. She's a, what a teacher she was. Um, she was nominated for a Frida. Okay. She wrote the screenplay Frida, who was one of the writers on that. And uh, um, so that experience is why I fell in love with development. And around that same time, I started looking into, a friend of mine was working at Sony Pictures Entertainment and, and uh, suggested I might look into and check in with them while I was doing that. And that's how I ended up working in worldwide acquisition. Now, did Sony
0: give you the freedom to also write your own projects while you were working there? Or did you kind of have to shift your focus to more of, um, you know, development and working with other people's projects? Or did you have like your own passion projects you were writing on the side?
1: Oh, yeah, I was writing the whole time, but outside of work. You know, they don't, they're not going to employ me (laughs) as a screenwriter as well. That's not how it works, but.
0: The unions yeah, would have had a lot to say. But they didn't have a problem about. with you uh, like working on um, stuff outside of work. That's good.
1: No. No, that had nothing to do with that. I wasn't as voluminous mm-hmm. as I would have liked to have been with my writing. Um, but I wanted to do it and I loved doing it. You know, there was a very long period there for about four or five years where I would get up at 3 a.m. I would write for three mm-hmm. hours on my own projects. Um, I would then have breakfast with my kids and my family. And then an hour later, I'm gone and I'm at work and I'm doing my work with development, you know, working on at that stage, it was working on movies like faster with Dwayne Johnson and, and, uh, you know, uh, soul surfer, um, uh, you know, we worked on movies like arrival and those kind of movies. And I got to work reading scripts as well. So part of my job was, was to find new material and, and read those scripts and make sure that if we were going to pick them up or get involved in them on a deal making basis, that they were strong stories mm-hmm. that there were elements attached to those scripts. So I'm writing in the mornings to be, you know, and I'm, I'm a horror guy. I love my horror films. And, and, uh, so I was developing and writing my own work five days a week at 3am mm-hmm. before I actually went to my day job. That's incredibly
0: inspiring. Um, And it's, you know, it's something I used to do when I was getting the film fund off the ground, and I wouldn't get up at 3am, I would get up at 5am. And I would work on the film fund blog about two hours before I needed to get ready for my day job working at um, this digital agency in the suburbs of Philly. But lately, you know, it's I'm doing the film fund full time. And it's something I've been struggling with, because I haven't been working on my own projects as much like I have, I have a short film that we're currently submitting to festivals, but I haven't sat down and written anything in, in quite a long time. And I I need to get back to that. So I'm just, I'm wondering where you think that drive came from for you.
1: You know, I went to grad school with some people who don't write anymore. They just don't. And there's a reason they just, you it's not just a lot of people get into it for the wrong reasons. You know, you either want to be famous or you want to win awards or you want to do, it's got nothing to do with that. my I have a passion for telling stories that existed before I became a screenwriter. You know, I've always loved doing it. Mm. Too, too many people think they can just be a screenwriter. <laughs> it's just like, doesn't work that way. You know, there is a craft yeah. to it. There is a learning. And if you look at some of the classic movies, which is what I do in my workshops, you know, is you don't just write a screenplay. I'm not going to teach you how to just write a screenplay. You know, I'm going to teach you why some of the, the, the most successful screenplays are successful. And it's got it's got everything to do with craft, and it's got everything to do with structure and character development and plot development. You know that they, they do exist, and there are some people that work outside of structure, right? But you can't do that unless you understand structure to begin with. You know, um. So right. so a lot of what I've worked on, especially at the studio level, even as a script a story editor, and a and a, um, a creative executive and development executive, is is those structures do exist. And, and they come to us from mm-hmm. major agents and managers because they understand what the structure is as well and how it works. Right. And what talent is going to look to attach themselves to. There's a reason why some talent attach themselves mm. to specific scripts that they know they're not going to earn their, their, their normal paycheck from because they see potentially in what a great movie it is. And that happens at the script level, you know. Um, so yeah. when I teach, I teach... I'll teach you how to write a screenplay, but I also teach you how relevant that is to distribution. You know, what? what is your and that part? that's
0: super important. Yeah. yeah.
1: What is your part as a screenwriter in distribution or having something acquired? How do you get a manager? Yeah. You know, how do you get an agent? What are they looking for? How do you get to them? In my workshops, I teach all of that because I'm not just teaching mm-hmm. as a screenwriter, I'm teaching as a studio executive.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's super valuable. So I mean, even looking at this from what's the expression, like a 10,000 foot view or 50,000 foot view, whatever. Um, Even if we look at it as a product, right? Like let's say a screenplay is is a blueprint for a product. It's like, you know, I went to school, my master's degree is in entrepreneurship, but we did a lot of product development classes. And we would talk about the engineers in the basement making something for themselves. Well, you don't know if that's marketable to anybody else outside of the basement like if you don't if you didn't go out there and and find your audience if you didn't really study you know let's say the structure of the screenplay or really what needs to go into it you might be thinking you're making something cool but if you don't know those tools to actually do something with it then it's useless so I I think that's kind of a good um, comparison to what you're talking about I mean obviously a screenplay isn't a product per se but I think knowing those next steps that you need to make it marketable are are just as important as the craft itself yeah I think important point I think, you know, you'll hear people refer to it as product or content,
1: you know, mm-hmm. and, and it is. In a lot of respects, you have to ask yourself, why am I writing this? What, why, why am I writing the screenplay? You're not mm-hmm. writing it so it can then sit on your hard drive. You're writing it to be performed like a stage exactly. play. So a, a script has to be made. That's why we, we developed the blueprint. You know, it's not a piece of literature. It's a blueprint to help other collaborators that will come onto that. As soon as we start to protect our screenplays and get all all, uh, defensive about where they go and how they get out there, you're locking it away. The objective of a screenplay is to be written as well as it can by the person creating it and then send it into the world because you want that to be made. That's why you're writing it. So Mm -hmm. it's not going to hurt new screenwriters and, and writers who are coming even from a, a semi-professional background who probably already know this anyway, but you have to think about where does my idea sell? What is the best way for me to get this made? How can I get it made? Well, I've got to understand where it fits in the paradigm of, you know, genre. What what genre is it? Oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a thriller horror drama romance. No, it's not. It's not, <laughs> that's not a genre and that's not, Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, and, and one of the things, one of the best piece of advice and very simple pieces of advice that I got coming out of grad school um, was the dean of my school. I got to talk to him um, uh, and he said to me, you know, I've still talked to all your professors. They think you're talented, but you have no idea who you are. Hmm. Right. I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, think of it this way. You're in a cinema complex. There are 18 theaters in that cinema. And each one of those has the best of every genre. Which one do you go and see? I'm like, well, I go and see horror thriller. That's what I go and see. He's like, then why aren't you writing it? What kind of stuff were you writing? I was writing romantic comedy. Um, okay. I had two ideas that I thought were good. Um, and I thought, well, these fit romantic comedy, kind of the indie romantic comedy, mm-hmm. started writing them, realized it wasn't very funny
0: um oh, yeah we talked about that on our last call a little bit
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 so that was the best advice i got you know if you don't pigeonhole yourself someone else will mm-hmm. um it doesn't matter how good my writing is if i'm a horror writer no one's going to hire me as an assignment to write a romantic drama they're, they're not they're just not it's as simple as that that's not to say i couldn't write one right right, right. if i'm Aaron sorkin or or susanna grant or diablo cody you know, I can write whatever I want, you know, John August, all those guys, but, but um, not me, not a new
0: screenwriter. Mm-hmm. You have to so know you're, who you're you recommending are. New screenwriters yeah. should definitely pick a genre, pick a wheelhouse and stick with it. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Mainly because I think it's connected deeply to what I like to go and see what I'm writing right now. I have to want to see it on the screen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unless someone's paid me, you know, a quarter of a million dollars as an assignment to do it. Right. I have to, I have to believe that I really want to see the movie I'm writing. If I don't, I shouldn't be writing it. Yeah. Right. And I think there, you know, you have to look at your ideas and be able to develop them, not just in the direction of an effective plot um, and an effective, you know, character development, but where do they fit in the industry? Is this a Mm -hmm. streaming movie? is it a theatrically is there a theatrical potential here for distribution why what makes you think that what are the comps what are your comps you
0: know comps and when you're thinking like comparable about, movies
1: yeah comparable movies so think about where yours belong if you're the person that wants to say no no mine's an original idea i guarantee it's not first of mm-hmm. all that just doesn't exist in my yeah. opinion
0: um someone i forget who said it but there's saying it's like there are only six stories or something like that. And there are only six
1: stories and every poet is a thief.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Bono. Um, (laughs) but I, I think that, um, when you're, when you're looking at your idea, where does it fit? What is the best genre? Not only that, is it the genre that I like to go and see because you're more likely to really put in a passionate, um, effort to getting that script in a place it should be if you love that genre and it's what you want to see. Mm -hmm. So as a writer, you shouldn't be writing towards trends. You know, my good friend, Ed Sanchez was one of the, you know, founding fathers of found footage movies like the Blair Witch Project. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's already been done. Yeah. Right. So, so have a look at where you fit. What is your budget? You know, is it going to be a big Chris Nolan type action movie? Um, If so, uh it's got to be written towards that and you must know all the production companies and you know the studios and even the streamers now who are buying
0: that content Mm -hmm. so i have a question for you and this is more Mm -hmm. i guess about a director actually i could google it really quickly Um, i don't know if you wrote the script or not but sam raimi with evil dead then going to do spider-man um why do you think it's like sony did that um spider-man franchise originally right with Correct. so why did they hire him to do spider-man which is an action superhero movie um coming out of a a horror film right it
1: goes back to that it goes back to that uh diablo cody john august comment (laughs) is that he's sam raimi
0: but he wasn't sam now sam raimi until he did evil dead right what's that when i guess when did he be did he become sam raimi because of evil dead and that movie just blew up and he was like a hot item.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been around a long time. You also have to understand that Sony have a first look deal with him. So okay. he has a production company called ghost house pictures. So Sam doesn't just direct. Mm-hmm. He's an exec producer on a lot of material as well. So he is a, um, a very well-established producer of material. Um, the directing of the, of the Spider-Man was a different, a different kettle of fish, you know, um, as for how Columbia Pictures approached their relationship, Pictures approached their relationship with Sam. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we did um, we did Ummer and we did the Unholy with him. Um, uh, you know, the the re you know the the remake of Evil Dead mm-hmm. was uh, was Fede Alvarez basically launched Fede um, with with Sam overseeing. So Sam works a lot in his executive production capacity, and he built his career on the Evil Dead franchise. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and I think that he's done a whole lot more of that. You only have to look at his IMDb mm-hmm. page, but um, he is he is in that level of like A-list producer directors um, who can who can name their price. You know James Wan as well. Mm-hmm. You know when you look at James Wan and Lee Whannell, James Wan's the you know, um, started with the, what do you call
0: it, the Saw franchise, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. And, and we got to work with them in, in the Insidious franchise, you know, worldwide acquisitions and, and, and screen gems. And, you know, they're guys who came up through that indie horror kind of space, but really made a name for themselves on uh, knowing their genre, knowing who they were, knowing what they loved to do and working towards that Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, trying to play the entire field. You know, there are enough comedy writers and people doing that out there and they don't yeah. need me when when my clear passion is horror mm-hmm. and thriller, you know. Um and I think that's that's you know, when you look at that with James and Lee, um James has gone on again to be an A-list A-list, you know, supermar superhero movie mm-hmm. director and um and his own executive production mm-hmm. shingle. Um so these guys kind of transcend just your average film director or filmmaker. They're, they're a whole lot more than that. They're also exceedingly accomplished business people who know what they love and they know what their Mm.
0: brand is. So this is a very selfish question based on my own career aspirations. I'm going to ask it anyway, my favorite genre, it's kind of niche, I guess. It's black comedy. So, you know, like Martin McDonough type stuff. Um, so Mm -hmm. And I, I've written two feature length scripts, but I wrote them years ago, really before I had any idea what I was doing. So they're both kind of, I would say, not amazing. Um, but I've been wanting to write a horror film, and it would have black comedy elements infused into it. But if I'm really, like, passionate and I love black comedy, do you think I should write a black comedy rather than a horror? Or should I try? Could, they, could it be both? What are your thoughts there?
1: Um I think, again, some genres meld a little more easily, you know, horror comedy, there's mm. a big market for that. You know, your black sheep. Have you ever seen the, the New Zealand movie, no Black Sheep? A
0: horror comedy, I was thinking of like, it Tucker, it. And Dale it. Tucker and Dale versus evil. You must see that. Tucker and Dale versus uh, evil, one of the best.
1: Um, what's the other one? Love that movie. Cabin, uh,
0: Cabin in the Woods, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, but I think, it, I think if you're, if you're looking at black comedy, you know, horror comedy doesn't fall far mm. from that tree. You yeah. um, know, it's almost the same thing, except you're you're infusing horror elements or or a certain amount mm. of parody to a certain degree. Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, you know, um, uh, Evil Dead—they're mm. kind of horror comedies, um, and yet he can do the unholy right. and the real horror space. So, even if you are looking at genres like horror, they have a lot of subgenres in inside those. Um, if you are someone who tends toward comedy, you know, you will have to understand those tropes, but also you have to understand mm. horror as well. So yeah, sure, there's no reason for you not to do that. Um, I guess one of, my, one, of, one of my points being that if, if you're a, someone who likes horror comedy, for instance, um, branching out in towards a more romantic mm. comedy gets hazy or broad comedy are uh, very specific genres. Um, I'm not saying don't do it. You know, there are no hard and fast rules, really. Um, I wrote two romantic comedies to begin with before, I, you know, realizing that's not my thing. It's not to say the ideas weren't that bad. They were okay. Mm-hmm. They were just in the wrong hands um, because I'm not as passionate about... I won't go to Netflix and look yeah. for the latest rom-coms. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. It's just not who a, I am as an
0: audience member. Um, I, mean, I troll
1: all of that. Yeah, exactly. As an audience member, you know, I'll try. I'll troll things like Screenbox or, or or Shudder, you know, and those kind of things, looking for a new and, and improved kind of. At this stage, <laughs> Irish horror. I'm loving what's coming out of Ireland right now. Um, but uh, uh but that's what I'm saying. If your if your genres are too far apart, it doesn't make any sense. Um. It doesn't mean to say you can't write them, but writing a screenplay takes a long time to get it right.
0: Yeah. How long would you say? Because, I mean, you have stories of people, what was it like? I think they said the script for Ferris Bueller's Day Off he wrote in like a week or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously an, an outlier, right. but what uh, what would you say like the average length of writing a feature length screenplay is or should be?
1: Well, we, you know, when we're developing a screenplay, you, you demand of your professional writers that they get something on its feet within three months you know, trying to get something up and, and running. But the process of screenwriting doesn't finish until it's on the screen. You know, It really doesn't. True. You're constantly rewriting and developing. And then if someone kind of, if it, it goes into turnaround and people don't want to produce it anymore, you, you're back to what you have and you've got to keep developing and sending it out, they'll want you to develop something. And then the director will have notes. And then, so it's a never-ending process. It's never finished like a book is mm-hmm. to a certain degree you know, a book is finished when it's published. Right. Um, the screenplay is never finished until it's on the screen at a premiere. And Mm. I think if you can look at it that way, there is a, there is a process whereby, you know, for instance, this course I'm doing, the workshop I'm doing, it's going to be 15 weeks. And Mm. if you do the work, you can have the first part of the script done by then that is possible. Um, Mm. and I, I've I've had people do it. I've had university students finish their first pass of their script in 15 weeks. Right. That's great. That doesn't mean it's producible. Yeah. (laughs) You then, you then have the rewriting process, which is the real process. You then have to take development notes and rewrite and restructure. You know, you've got to look at all of that. So getting the first pass on its feet is a construction. Um, And it's, it's very much employing the craft of, Uh, screenwriting. Then the rewriting is that next part of the craft where you have to really listen to people that you trust. You know, don't give it to your mum or anyone else who doesn't have any background in screenwriting. You have to find people whose notes you trust um, and get them to look at it and give extensive notes. And then it's up to you, the screenwriter, to say, well, yeah, this works, but no, I don't like that. That changes all this and this and this. You have to really know how to do that. And yeah. so I always find it people who are writing a script in a week have probably been doing it for a while. You know sure. um, um, that doesn't mean that after a week they went and shot the movie. Right. I guarantee they didn't.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good point. They didn't write yeah. the script like, okay, let's go into production now. I, I wrote the script so. and they probably got notes even. and yeah.
1: I think they got, <laughs> it would have been possible to probably, you know, if they had an outline already or they had some kind of treatment To write the script in a week shut in a in a dark room it's possible it is you know Mm -hmm. um would that draft be ready to shoot absolutely not yeah
0: tell me a little bit more we wrote a blog post on it if you follow us at the blog.thefilmfund.co um on your screenwriting workshop it's called the new screenwriter could you tell us a little bit more about that
1: yeah i i started this um uh i started this a number of years ago and i i didn't put the work into it because i got really busy um But one of the things that I've really been enjoying lately, I I taught a couple of semesters at the American university here in, in Washington, DC, in their film program. Um, and I like teaching. I like being able to pass on what I, what I've discovered, not just as a writer, but as, as creative executive and a studio executive, the new screenwriter is a website. It's called the new screenwriter.com. it's a place where you can go to get studio standard coverage or, There's any amount of menu items that you can choose. It's not an original concept. There are a lot of people out there doing that. Um, The difference with this one is that I will be handling, you know, the the coverage, not some CAA intern or whoever they have attached to that website at that time. You'll get me. Um, And so uh, that's a way for me to do that. But the workshop itself is something that kind of got inspired by the pandemic, I guess. Uh, You know, I... I wanted to keep working, you know, one of the philosophies I have is, you know, you keep reading, you keep watching, you know, you keep writing Mm -hmm. and I wanted to develop something around that whereby I'm not just teaching you little bits about this, about the writing craft. I'm teaching you by having you watch films, analyze them, come back to class and talk about that analysis while we also help you build your outlines, your treatment and your script. Mm -hmm. So it's. Um, I'm starting this course online on Zoom through the newscreenwriter.com slash upcoming workshops. Um, it will start on October 19th, which is not far away. Okay. Um, yeah, it'll be every Wednesday from, uh, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and it's going to be a workshop where you have to come and you have to do the work. You know, and for each of the, for that, for each three hours, we're going to be analyzing big beat structure. What is the structure of a good film? How does that work? Character development. You know, what? Why is it important to have a want for a character and a need for a character? What's the difference between those two, and how do they drive the story? Um, not only that, once my screenplay is ready, where? What do I do with it? You know, where do I go with it? who do I talk to about someone reading it? You know, Mm -hmm. what are the best companies? You know, how do I fit mine into that? So, so it's, it's going to be a complete workshop on the business and the craft of screenwriting, um, which I'm very excited. I've already got a number of students, which is great. Um, we're looking for a few more. If there are anyone out there who wants to come learn, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of work. Come with your writing, reading and watching hat on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, go and check out the new screenwriter.com slash upcoming workshops. Um, it has a contact for me in there. If you want to shoot me an email and ask more questions, but, um, this comes from a real love of being able to teach it because it's also what keeps me fresh as a writer.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Um, definitely sounds like a good workshop It's one I'm actually considering myself. And then this episode won't be posted for a while, but how often do you run the workshop?
1: Well, we've only got this one planned at the moment and okay. that's because, um, uh, myself and my two producing partners are working on a media fund ourselves,
0: okay.
1: which is coming along. Um, and, uh, it's going to keep us very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I also signed a shopping agreement with a, a, a DC author here recently. Her story is tremendous. Oh, awesome. Um, and, uh, we've been working on a, a, uh, TV pitch deck for that, um, sony have already expressed interest in it and so we're we're kind of hard at work getting that she's talking to a couple of big literary agents in new york at the moment so once we can get all that tied up um hoping something there will will pop as well so hmm. i'm always i'm always doing something yeah got a
0: lot of iron to um,
1: fire <laughs> yeah so um so with that in mind i'm only just teaching this one workshop but there will be more workshops okay um and, and uh you know i want to teach you know, after this one, I might teach a rewriting workshop as well, that because that is a specific, yeah. yeah, a lot of people seem to think they already have a script, mm. um, not realizing I will be the judge of that. Uh,
0: <laughs> so let's say you have but, a script, uh, like a first draft, yeah. and you finish it, you're like, oh, awesome, I finished my script. And right. then what do you do? Do you, you send it to someone, someone that you trust? You absolutely have to. Mm.
1: That first path, I guarantee you, is not very good, Yeah. Um, only because all of my first pasts have not being very right. good either you've simply constructed your story in a way that you've serviced your outline as the best you can mm-hmm. now the idea is to really dig into what works and what doesn't work and the only way to do that is to really get someone you trust or a professional if you can afford it mm-hmm. um to give you in-depth detailed studio coverage on what's working and what's not working um i don't generally approach it that way i like to just tell you what's not working mm. um you already, you know, if something is good, you say it's good. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to spend half of my time and and someone else's money telling them how good they
0: are. Mm-hmm.
1: That's of no use to them whatsoever. Right. Um, so everything that I do with regards to development is designed around helping you improve your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and so that's the next thing is to get someone. You don't need a lot of people. You don't need hundreds of people giving you notes. Mm-hmm. You know, to find two or pe- two or three people you trust who know what they're talking about, or find a professional to do it, and 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 you know, spend the money,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, uh, on on getting someone to give you a, a detailed, you know, uh, set of notes on structure, character development, plot development, the world, you know, formatting, mm-hmm. you know, where where is my formatting not working, um, that kind of thing, um, and then do your next rewrite. You know, that's the idea. So. A rewrite workshop for me would look like getting everyone to send me their scripts. Then I would do a, a, a big set of detailed development notes on all of them before the workshop starts. Mm-hmm. And then we dive in. We begin our rewriting workshop and I will take people, you know, through through uh, the notes of what they've got and how they can improve it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have designed a curriculum for writing the short film. For people who like to write in the short form, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's a, it is. There are similarities, and there are also a very big differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, there'll be more workshops. It's just a slow rollout now. I don't want to commit to a whole bunch sure, of things sure. and have to cancel them because I got too busy.
0: Yeah, definitely understandable. Yeah. Um, but that sounds super yeah. awesome. I mean, the rewriting portion is obviously so important. So to have a workshop dedicated specifically to that, where you're already coming in with a script or or the first pass at a script, and then really shaping it up that's just that sounds incredible um we're definitely going to keep our eyes on that for sure Uh, i've got a couple more questions what There, you know i i see these all the time we just like i said i have a short i've been submitting to festivals and we paid for some promotion on film freeway and i'm getting all of these invites now to you know the you know film screenwriting contests and film festivals some of them are in russia and like there are so many that are fly by night um you know, what are your thoughts on but then again they're also like really well regarded screenwriting contests. So like what are your thoughts on screenwriting contests? Are they worth people's time?
1: You know, uh I'm a very big fan of the podcast script notes. Okay. So if anyone out there doesn't know this podcast, you have to check it out. It's Craig Mason, who developed Chernobyl um and has an extensive writing career talk about someone who didn't stick to their genre. This is the guy He wrote the <laughs> Hangover movie, um, the movies. Uh, he's a, he's a, He tells it like it is. And I like him a lot. Um, uh, and John August, who wrote Big Fish, Charlie's Angels, you know, and many other films. They have a podcast. You have to check that out. Um, Craig is not a big fan of film schools. <laughs> he mm. doesn't believe that you should be at a film school. Um, uh, I will tell you that, transitioning from theater to film, a film school was essential for me, mm-hmm. you know, just individually. Um, are they necessary for everybody? No, not at all. Um, but I think that competitions even more so are a complete waste of time.
0: Wow. Even like the Nickel money. Fellowship.
1: Now, not, a, not not the Nickel okay. Fellowship. Um, there are a couple of, of, of decent ones around, um, you know, the final draft, big break, um, is not too bad. But in general, um, you know, I had a couple of people that I was working with who insisted on putting these. I was a quarter finalist in some random Midwestern screenwriting competition. Mm-hmm. No one yeah. cares. Even if you win the San Antonio Film Festival Screenwriting Award, no mm-hmm. one cares. Um, you may get some of these more reputable contests. I think page one is also one I've that's heard, not no. too bad um, who will put you in touch with managers, mm. you know, or, or agents who will read your script. That's worth more than actually a, a cash mm. prize because that's what you right. want. Um, but essentially you can do that yourself. You, you can with, do it like yourself. And or... if, if you do it through empowerment, mm. right. This is my last tip. And I'm not going to charge you for this. <laughs> talk. Thank you. Uh, I'm not. If you want to, if you want someone to read your script in the industry, a manager and an agent doesn't really care. They've got enough clients. They don't need you, right? So stop trying to get to them because they don't care. Who does care? Their assistants do. Why? Why do they care? Because they're the people who will be tomorrow's agents and managers. So they have the most to gain from bringing their bosses a good script. So when you call someone, don't ask to speak to the manager or the agent. Speak to the the assistant and say, hey, listen, just wondering if you, you know, I've got this great script, got a pitch deck, got all that stuff. Here's where I think it fits. Would you mind giving it a read and let me know what you think? You have to empower people, right? There are a lot of people in this industry who want to be the next manager and want to be the next agent. How do they do that? they bring in good clientele and good projects they have nothing
0: to lose mm-hmm. and everything to go. that is a fantastic piece of advice. So empower those yeah. people
1: right um, why do I know that because yeah. I was in this <laughs>
0: there you go straight um, from the horse's mouth
1: but that's the thing you, you hear this a lot on the on the tracking boards and on the on the facebook boards and things as people how do i get a manager you don't And agents are even worse they don't care they'll find you when you know no one cares yeah. until everyone cares right and so you need to be able to empower people who can take the journey with you. And, and that's not our current managers and agents. That's, that's their coordinators mm-hmm. and their manager, assistants. Manager, managers and agents. Um, yeah. Right. So if you want to get your script seen, forget the $50 entry fee, right. To some rando screenwriting competition and, and do your work on IMDB mm-hmm. pro IMDB pro is $134 a year. It's mm-hmm. worth your time. They have all the latest news. They have all the updated information on all projects like yours.
0: Yeah. So do your research. That's fantastic advice because prior to speaking with you, uh, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and we, you know, talked about the film funds feature funding program and just the industry in general. One of my questions was, you know, I'm I'm looking at taking my own writing and acting career more seriously. How do I get a manager? And he told me the exact same advice. You're like, you don't <laughs> like go talk to the assistants, you know, again and don't until you have uh, you know, either two feature scripts or a feature script and, uh, like a pilot episode written or right. something or a series. So
1: don't finish yeah. your first pass of your script right. and start looking for a manager. Cause mm-hmm. you're going to burn too many bridges. They're going to read that writing yeah. and go, this is terrible. Why? Because the first mm-hmm. pass of anything is terrible. Yeah. It just, it just is even with some pro writers, it's like, they know what, they know what they're doing with the first pass. Why would they do an extensive polish? when all these studio executives right. are going to that have notes so anyway. Why not save it? Mm-hmm. Show them this one, you know, as long as it's not trash, <laughs> then you'll never get work again. But I think that, you know, you've got to have two or three, you know, and, and, and I'm talking film and TV these days. You should be trying to write in both if you're a screenwriter. Um, have two or three really well-polished, well-developed, people have looked at this and given good notes, and I've applied them type scripts. Right. And then try to have lookbooks with them as well, yeah. which gives a tonal view of what you're doing. And then start researching who's doing product like yours and cold call the assistants. Say, hey, I don't know. I've got these three projects, you know, I don't want to bother your,
0: your boss. Would you take Do a you look at Do you have any advice on uh, where to go what, to make a lookbook or what that looks like? Upcoming <laughs> workshops. From you. <laughs> Um, yeah,
1: I do. This is what I do. It's what I do. Um, I'm, as a writer, you don't have to create a 30 slide deck, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a 30 slide deck at all. It, it, studio executive you, all you're doing is creating a teaser to get someone mm-hmm. to read your script. Right. So a lookbook is designed, you know, and I had this chat with a couple of other people recently is, is like, he was saying, Hey, I'm going to take all my comps and put the box office numbers. And he was like, no, no, no. Mm. The answer is no. This is meant to be a teaser for someone mm. to read your script. So instead yeah. of saying, Hey, read my script you can say, Hey, look, I've got a pitch deck. Would you, maybe you take a look at it. If you like what you mm. see, I'll send you the script. That way you're not burdening. Not like anyone a with 120 right?
0: people have a 120 page file to read it. Like, oh, here's a, a, right. a small little pitch deck. If yeah. you're interested, then yeah.
1: yeah. 120 <laughs> pages are too long, by the way, uh, um, um, yeah. unless you've got some serious talent attached, but uh, that would be my advice for a lookbook, is, is it's, it's meant to be a teaser. So it should have, you know, a t- it should be a tonal treatment mm. and a visual treatment of your script. So you're, you're introducing characters and a little bit of a description about them, a little bit about the story, not a whole two deck kind of here's my complete outline. No. Don't send anyone your outline. Otherwise, yeah. why would they want to read your script? Right? I already know the story. No, it's not for me. You want to give them a teaser, a logline, an intro page, a little bit about, you know, for instance, I've got a horror story and some of it is, is uh, inspired by the eugenics movement in the 1930s in this country and what a D-bag Charles Lindbergh yeah. was, in my opinion. You know, um, so I have got some research. So I put a little bit of research in that deck. To, to explain what it might be about yeah. and what inspires the background of it. You know, then you do a comps page and then you do a contact page. All in all, my my pitch decks are
0: rarely longer than That's nine so or 10 It's so much pages, easier to digest slides. than, what, what right. would we say, a 90-page script? That right. but remember. <laughs> not, one, not 120. Right, but remember that
1: what what happens is if a producer picks it up and they want to do it, they will create their own deck right. based on the financial requirements of it. Mm-hmm based on distribution so so you're, you're all you're doing is as a pitch deck as a screenwriter mm-hmm. which is focusing on the story i don't need a bunch of graphs and graphs and and details and all that stuff yeah, like, i know
0: that you stick to the story right
1: yeah Good. You're just trying to get them to see the story and where it might fit and how they might shape the business that advice, proposal. I think
0: you you have a lot of people who are aspiring screenwriters and they think they have to do everything. Like, oh, I need to do the financials and the, the distribution and everything. Just, just work on your script, make a really good script. And then, well, yeah. If you're going to produce it yeah. yourself, <laughs> but yes, if you're you do. trying to get someone else to produce yeah. it, I guess um, that's great advice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't over it. Steve, this has been for fantastic. Um, conversation, you know, a lot of great insights here. Usually my last question is what is next for you in the next year or so? But you already told us you have the new screenwriter, you're shopping a project, you're working on a media fund, got a lot going on. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add before I do my little outro?
1: I do have one of the most fun projects I did writing. Uh, I was writing a TV pilot that was set inside the clan. In the south happy little family drama um and uh it was really getting me down the research was horrendous and i was like ah so i started writing this creature feature uh just which is based on a filipino legend and mythology and uh it was so fun you know and and it was it's based in the in the south pacific in the devil's triangle which is the complete opposite to the bermuda triangle on the globe you know those two triangles exist and uh, on opposite sides. Anyway, I, I started working on this, and uh, and it's it's over in Australia at the moment with a producer, and they're looking. Oh, very cool. We're getting close to financing it. I just found out not long ago. So so that's something yeah. that I'm also working on. And I wrote that. Um, probably okay. not gonna. I'll probably be a producer on it, but not in the sense of you know. But when this fund comes <laughs> now, through, maybe can you I just share the working
0: myself. title, or is it too early in the process for that? Heads. It's cool. I heads. like that. I like that a lot. Heads. Steve, Thanks again for taking yes. the time to speak with us. Uh, do you have social media channels on which we can follow you? No, not even LinkedIn. <laughs> Absolutely not. No,
1: not even LinkedIn. No, I do have a LinkedIn. I do. Uh, you can find me under Steve Douglas, Craig in LinkedIn. Okay. Um cool. there's not too many of us, just me actually, or Lit Vision, Lit Vision Media, which is the name of the fund. Um, and also my, you know, uh, the new screenwriter.com
0: very cool check all that out thanks everyone for listening to the podcast and i want to remind you that our fall narrative and documentary contests are open as of yesterday so check out the filmfund.co to submit your entry to fund for a chance to fund your short film and check out our social channels at the film fund on instagram facebook.com filmfundco simply film fund on twitter and the film fund on linkedin if you want to get your corporate networking on and uh, check the website out regularly for the most up-to-date information check out our blog where you can see some more info about Steve's amazing upcoming workshop. That's I think our most recent blog post, or at least one of the most recent is about his, uh, his workshop. So definitely check that out. Um, you can find great filmmaking and producing tips there. Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social to stay up to date on everything that's happening at the film fund. More on the production front. We have uh, our pre-production, I guess I should say. We have an ebook called the ultimate guide to pre-production. So if you have a script already uh, or just an idea and you have no idea really how to schedule or, hire crew or any of that stuff, uh, check that out as well on our website uh, for tips on how to do pre-production. That's it. That's all we got. I had uh, an amazing conversation today. Thank you, Steve. And uh, I want to tell everyone to uh, tune in about every other Friday when we release these episodes. Um, Steve, have a great rest of your day. Talk to everybody soon. You too, sir.